This morning, we're going to, I've not set myself up here, but we're going to continue in the theme that we have been in recent weeks. Um, and uh, <clears throat> we've been delving into the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. I don't think we've made our way too far past the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Beatitudes, uh, just yet. And this morning, I would like to speak about something, but firstly, a question. A question. Who do you class as the winners, the victors, the conquerors? Who are the brave, the bold, the strong in your mind? What characteristics do they have, the victors, the winners? What are some of their qualities and characteristics that you perhaps find inspiring or aspire to have? Who are the winners, the victors, the conquerors in your mind? As we look at the Beatitudes, we read and see those who are blessed. We get to read and see that this is what life is like when God is in charge. They're almost, in some respects, the politics of Jesus, the government's manifesto. They're not conventional Wisdom. In fact, they're counterintuitive to perhaps the wisdom of the day. They're almost, in some respects, unbelievable statements. And then we read, of course, in one of them, in Matthew 5 and verse 5, God blesses those who are humble, meek, for they will inherit the whole earth. In the message version translation, it says, you are blessed when you are content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Love that. You know, in the first century when they would have heard these words, the area that encompassed Galilee and Samaria and Judea was torn with wars and rumors of wars. There was the Roman Empire and the Zealots of the day were soon to be engaged in this political and military war to win power for the same land. Rome ruled the world. In fact, in some respects, perhaps in hearing these words originally, they had already inherited the earth. They were smart, bold, brave, aggressive used war as a superpower to have and hold their status. 
ruled by fear and violence, having the largest army, the most sophisticated tactics and plans, the biggest bully in the playground perhaps, in some respects, by way of illustration. Those who followed the Roman Empire were the winners, the victors, the conquerors. They were in charge. One of the overarching narratives was that they who grab, clutch, grasp, snatch, strike first before being struck, those who attack and grab hold first, shout the loudest, they were the conquerors. But of course, people had been oppressed, mistreated, overlooked, trod on, used, abused, so that others at the time could live in excess and in luxury. If you were to ask the same question that I just did, who are the winners? Who's winning at the game of life? Who gets the biggest piece of the pie? Who takes home the trophy? It would not be the meek, nor the humble. They do not win. Rome, as mentioned, had already acquired or gained the whole earth. But, as one writer puts it, blessed are the quiet and content, the humble and unassuming, the gentle and trusting, who are not grasping and clutching, for God will personally guarantee their share when heaven and earth become one. Could it be that the way of Caesar is violence and aggression, but the way of Christ is meekness and trust? Trust in God. So, when we want to be the winners, when we want to be the victors, when you want to be the winner, What's your strategy? What's mine? What's my approach? How do I respond? I want to say this, that meek is not weak. God's way is to do something, do a work in us before doing a work for us. That actually the spirit of God, the way of God is to work in us. That's his main focus and priority, not about what God can do for us, but in us. And meek is not weak. In Psalm 37, there's a few various verses which I kind of pull out here, but in Psalm 37, you get this playoff between the righteous and the wicked. And, and it says, the writer says, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they will soon wither. I used to sing a, 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 a song in, uh, in uh, Sunday school when I was at church as a kid. Though the grass may wither and the flowers may fall, 
the word of the Lord will stand forever. My only that one, no one recognizes that, do you? Well, there you go. That's a brummy one, that is. And so he goes on to say, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. The lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. Goes on to say, those the Lord blesses will possess the land, but those that are cursed will die. Turn from evil and do good, and you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice, and he will never abandon the godly, but he will keep them safe forever. But those who are of wickedness will die. The godly will possess the land and will live there forever. And in some translations, the word meek or humble, the lowly in that sense, is represented and mentioned many times. And we're encouraged in Scripture that it is the meek who will inherit the earth. To put it in a perhaps 21st century way, meek is not weak, meek is on fleek. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Don't look at me so embarrassingly, lads. Try my best here. (laughs) Meek is not weak. I'm not saying it a second time. (laughs) So who are the meek? Well, in Hebrew, the word for meek is about the poor, the humble, has to do with obedience in accepting and trusting in God's guidance. In Greek, it's the word that refers not to perhaps a person in the presence of God, but rather describes relations between people. There's something about the meek that have these relations between people. In fact, it's only used three times in the Gospels, in the Beatitudes, as I've referenced there in Matthew 5, but also it's referenced in Matthew 11 and verse 29, where Jesus describes himself as meek when inviting the weary to come to him. In Matthew 21 as well, he quotes Zechariah's prophecy as Jesus enters Jerusalem during his triumphal entry, when Jesus rides a donkey instead of a war horse. And yet, when Pilate rode into Jerusalem, he would have taken up residence and rode in on a war horse surrounded by soldiers. But yet there's something where Jesus represents a different way, a new way, a way that is not about grabbing and grasping and clutching and striking first, but a new way, a way of trust and obedience, a followership, a way of somehow in letting go is gaining all. The meek will inherit the earth. There are some empires over history that have stretched from sea to sea, but yet it was the crucified Christ who was vindicated by God, whose empire 
whose rulership, whose lordship still, still endures. I would say this, that perhaps empires, approaches, ways of, that I've mentioned, that when we put our security in not just military might, but that which it represents, as it were, those who put their trust in horses and chariots, but we put our trust in the name of the Lord. One day all of those empires always end up coming to an end. So what does this word make and what does this beatitude encourage in us? Well, I want to draw our attention to the word inherited. Ah, inheritance is a word of family, of relationship, of grace and gift. It's not a word of earning or proving or justifying. It's a word of inheritance and family. And church, the meek inherit the earth. Because those who follow Jesus, we are part of the family of God. But the way of seizing and self-interest and selfishness is not the way of God. When we think of the way the world is right now and has been for so long, got to take care of me. Got to make sure that I'm all right, Jack. Whoever Jack is. It's true. And yet as Christians, we are called to a new way, a different, a counter-cultural, counter-intuitive way that is not about fear, that is not about rush and haste and response and angst. It's not about grasping and clutching and holding and striking first. It is a way of meek, of meek and humble. And it applies to every sphere of life. It applies to every aspect of our world, of our workplaces, of our government, of our church, of our love and service to others. It is not represented nor applicable to a private prayer time in the morning of my closet. Nothing wrong with that. But it applies everywhere. And there's something about this that when we accept that we are part of the family of God and we awaken to realize that there is a wonderful inheritance and church, there is nothing to prove. There is nothing to prove. It's not about, as uh, one writer, Kenneth Bailey, puts it, it's not about uh, tribal connection. That wasn't the point. It's not about joining a particular nation or party to stay in power at all costs. It's not about joining the zealots. That's not recommended, but to trust and to follow and be obedient to God's will and ways is family, inheritance. So... Are you content with who you are in Jesus? Or do we sometimes, myself included, wish to seize out of self-interest rather than trust in 
Christ for our contentment. How comfortable are we to win by trusting and knowing that there is nothing to prove? What about this? When you pull up the traffic lights, I remember doing this when I first passed my driving test. And I was very fortunate uh, to, uh, to my family to uh, bless me with my first car, a little green Peugeot 106 called Curtains. Yes, I named it Curtains because I put curtains in the back and used to go sleep by the beach and surf when I was about 18 years of age at different points. And, uh, and, uh, and, and so, anyway, that's a sidetrack. I remember when I first got my license and you pull up to the traffic lights as a teenager in a car and somebody pulls up next to you and they had a proper engine. They had a proper engine. All right then. (laughs) I got you, son. In my 0.99cc hairdryer. 1.1, but anyway, nothing to prove. (sighs) Right. And I wanted to be first off that line. And I'd be off. I'd be off and gone. And I'd look back, and they have got nothing to prove. Go for it. Go for it. There's something. Are we content because meek is not weak? Would we rather strike first? But yet we've all known and heard it said that eye for an eye does nothing but leave everybody blind. That there's something where meek is not weak, but meek is radical trust, not anxiety about the loss of status. But meek is able to accept who we are and see past the mask and the facade that is so often presented. That meek possesses a strength of faith and not a weakness to fight, but a strength of faith. The writer called Brian Zand, who I like a lot, and he wrote this, And he said, the meek are not the driven, the self-assertive, the hyper-aggressive, the grab-my-piece-of-the-pie people. They are not the the winners and the go-getters, the movers and shakers, the large and in charge. The meek are the ones who believe in God and are willing to trust God for their their, their portion and their security. problem is we all have implicit bias where we think of certain names and certain titles and certain lots of different things that we could probe and press into the good news of the kingdom and the way of Jesus is that the meek will inherit the earth and the church it's so often those that we overlook those that we're not drawn to those who are faithfully and quietly pursuing the kingdom of God, those who aren't up the front, those who who aren't in the limelight, those who who aren't the large and in charge, the loudest, those who are simply following Jesus. 
and it's uncomfortable, but you don't have to earn it. It's a gift of inheritance. Lots of questions to ask ourselves and reflect on at different points. Where do we put our trust? How do we respond? The meek will inherit the earth. Perhaps even when we consider such pressing matters on a national and international scale currently, is our trust entirely in God, his governance, his portion that he has for us? That's not to say that we aren't wise to listen to advice that is also put out there as we, being a church and a community, wider than perhaps one gathering in the week, have a responsibility to care and advise and support people in lots of different ways. But all at the heart beat that there is a new name, a new narrative, a new story of restoration and redemption and hope that God has for us all. 